We're going to go ahead and start our series in the Catechism on the topic of prayer. And you'll note, if you don't have a copy of the Catechism, we have lots of copies in the foyer in the booklet rack. If you don't already own a copy of the Catechism, grab one of those. You can just keep that. But you'll find it helpful to have one with you, I think, as we move along. We're going to have a couple of introductory lessons before we get to question 105 more directly. But that's what we're going to start today. We're going to answer the question, what is prayer? And this is question 105. It asks, what is prayer? I think it's asking... Um, it's really asking something a little bit more specific than that, because if I read the answer, uh, you'll see what I mean. Question 105 asks, what is prayer? And the answer is, prayer is an offering up of our desires to God by the assistance of the Holy Spirit for things acceptable to His will in the name of Christ, believing with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgments of his mercies. So when you read the answer, I think that you can discern that really what 105 is asking is it's not simply or only what is prayer. I think it's asking what is acceptable prayer. Now, do you suppose that's a good question to ask? Do you suppose that's a good thing to ask? Um, do you suppose it's even more important to have the correct answer? Not, not just the correct answer to what is prayer, but to what is acceptable prayer. I suppose that's an important question to ask and to answer correctly, drawing your answer from the Holy Scriptures. Um, so why am I doing this study? Well, um, one way that this can help you is because we say the Lord's Prayer together. We, we pray together using the Lord's Prayer every Lord's Day. So I think that this series, I, at least I hope it will be uh, helpful to you so that you are not only praying properly in general, but that you may pray the Lord's Prayer properly. And this takes work. This is, not going to, this is not going to just drop in your lap. Uh, praying properly, praying acceptably, uh, this requires understanding on our part. And to use the Lord's Prayer properly, this requires understanding on our part. It requires work. And so because it takes work, I think that using the catechism can be very helpful because of the brief summaries that it uh, provides for us um, drawing together information that we gather that we gather from the scriptures. Um, it will help us in prayer in general, and it will help us um, as we get past question 105. It'll, it'll help us with the particular parts of the Lord's Prayer. All right? But again, this takes work, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm going to do this series is to encourage you and to help you to do that work of understanding what is acceptable prayer and what are we... What are we praying in particular when we pray the Lord's Prayer? But it takes work. And that's what you have to be ready to do. And you have to be ready to think of this kind of work as not something that you take care of it during this series and then you, don't have, and you just set it aside and 
you, it, this is something that we have to do every Lord's Day. We have to be thinking about what we're doing when we pray in general and when we pray the Lord's Prayer. It, it, we're talk, I'm talking about conscious, deliberate decisions to understand and to remember what God has said about prayer so that we know how to pray, so that we know what to pray for. Um, if, we, if we do not consciously, deliberately engage in the work of understanding what is acceptable prayer, then it's, it's not that we might. I, I'm going to say that it is that we will end up praying improperly or pr- praying unacceptably. And I hope hearing me say that gets your attention to think, of the const- to think of this possibility of praying in a way that God will not hear it. All right, and that's just something that we need to be very careful about. So, what is prayer? That's a good question to ask. What is acceptable prayer? These are, this is a good question to ask. It's a good question to answer correctly from the Scriptures. And so, even in just the question, what is prayer... Um, I think the question is implying that we need to make a definition. We, we have to draw lines. And we have to say what it is and what it isn't. Um, just because you, you are talking to God doesn't mean that God is going to hearken to what you are saying. So we need to make sure that we are drawing our answer, what is prayer, what is acceptable prayer, that we're drawing it from what God has said is acceptable prayer to him. Um, we're going to see here one example today. We're going to see an example where God says that prayers are disgusting to him. Well, um, I suppose you might be interested in wanting to know why they are disgusting to him for the sake of not engaging in it yourself. So asking the question, what is prayer? It's a good thing to ask, isn't it? What is acceptable prayer? Okay, so today what we're going to do is we're not going to begin by stepping through the parts of that answer to question 105. Uh, we'll get to that in a later uh, lesson. Um, there are some things earlier in the catechism that will help us today, and you'll see and I'll point those out to you as we go along. There are some things earlier in the catechism that will help us to better appreciate this question about prayer. And uh, we're going to look, we'll look at a couple of those things today. Okay, so t- what I'm going to do today is I'm going to introduce to you the concept of unacceptable praying. And then we're going to look at some remedies to that. And my hope is to help you in at least two ways today. Um, first, obviously, I hope to help you to have an understanding of unacceptable prayer for the sake of avoiding it. And secondly, I hope this lesson will be helpful to you so that you can know that so that in understanding what is unacceptable prayer, so that you don't make the mistake of thinking that you are praying unacceptably when you're actually not. So both of those things are, we want to avoid unacceptable prayers, but at the same time, we also want to avoid thinking, mistakenly thinking, that we are praying unacceptably when, in fact, we're not praying unacceptably. So we want to avoid both of those uh, kinds of very... And they're not just um, 
those are not just minor errors. Those can be very serious, very serious mistakes that we want to avoid. Um, it's possible to, to refrain from praying when you ought not to refrain from praying. You might think, well, this prayer, I, I, I dare not pray this, when if your understanding is enlightened by the scriptures, you'll see that, yes, you pretty much ought to be praying that. Okay, well, let's draw an example from the scripture of unacceptable prayer. This is just one of many. And so let's go to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah, I'm going to read a portion here from Isaiah chapter 1, and then I've invited uh, Matthew Henry to help us with some of his comments on it. Isaiah 1, I'm just going to jump in at verse 11. 111, to what purpose, and this is the Lord speaking to them through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord is saying, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices, that is, vain or empty or worthless. Incense is an abomination to me. There's that word. Their incense offerings have become disgusting to him. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, and now referencing prayer in particular as a part of this overall worship service, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. So it's a good question to ask, what is unacceptable prayer? Or what is acceptable prayer so that we may know to avoid unacceptable, an unacceptable offering of worship and an unacceptable offering of prayer? So here's what Matthew Henry says. Their attention to God's institutions was all lost labor and serve not to answer any good intention. For, number one, it was not looked upon as any act of duty or obedience to God. All right? There is such a thing that we're concluding here that as disobedient and therefore unprofitable praying. Disobedient and therefore unprofitable praying. Praying that we might describe here using Henry's words as lost labor, Praying that does not serve to answer any good intention. He goes on to say, Not that God disowns his institutions or refuses to stand by his own warrants, but in what they did, they had not an eye to him that required it. 
So God is not disregarding the old covenant institutions, the things that he gave warrant for. He's not disregarding those things. That's not the problem. The problem is, I'll read it to you again here. The problem is that in what they did, in what they were doing in their worship service, and what they were doing in their prayers, they had not an eye to him that required it. Nor indeed did he require it of those whose hands were full of blood and who continued impenitent. We have an environment in this worship service and in these prayers where there is not an eye to him who commanded these things. And then all of this bathed in this environment of unrepentance. So that's the first thing he says. It was not looked upon as an act of any as any act of duty or obedience to God because they didn't have their eye to him who was requiring these things. Secondly, Matthew Henry says, it did not recommend them to God's favor. He delighted not in the blood of their sacrifices for he did not look upon himself as honored by it. So it's a worship service. They are praying. And God is counting it all as dishonorable to him. He is not honored by it. He would say, but they're, wor- they're, they're conducting themselves in a worship service, yes. You might say, well, they are praying to him. Yes, that's also true. And God says that he's not honored by it. In fact, he says it's an abomination to him what they're doing. Third, Matthew Henry says, it would not obtain any relief for them. Surely they would be making requests, right? Bringing petitions, asking for things from God. But Matthew Henry says, in this kind of praying, it would not obtain any relief for them. They pray, but God will not hear because they regard iniquity. He will not deliver them, for though they make many prayers, none of them come from an upright heart. Now, I want you to just file a couple of things away that you've heard Matthew Henry say there, that God's not listening to their praying because they are, while they are praying, they are regarding iniquity. And he's not going to deliver them because their prayers don't come from an upright heart. So file that away. We're going to talk about those things. Matthew Henry continues, all their religious service turned to no account to them. All right, so here in Isaiah 1, we have an unrepentant, unbelieving participation in the means of grace, and I'm, and I'm going to speak to you from New Covenant terms as, I, as we go along. They're in this worship service, they are praying, but this is not going to be blessed by God to be effectual for any strengthening of their souls. Nay, says Matthew Henry, not only is this not going to be uh, effectual, he says, nay, he says, as odious and offensive is how God regards this. Not as honoring to him, but as odious and offensive. God, he says, did not only not accept them, but he did detest and abhor them. They are your sacrifices, they are none of mine. 
So for us, as, as observers, it would appear that they are engaged in what God instituted. It would appear that way from an, out, uh, from an outside perspective. It would appear to us that they're, they're doing what God instituted or what God warranted, what he commanded. But God says this is not at all what he instituted. This is not at all what he commanded. So it is possible to say the Lord's Prayer and it not be at all what the Lord instituted. That's, that's what I'm wanting to get across to you at this point. It's possible to say the Lord's Prayer using all the, using all the words that the Lord said that uh, we ought to use. It's possible to do that and it not be what God accepts. And it not at all be what God is pleased with. So it's good for us to ask, what is, what is acceptable prayer? Matthew Henry goes on to say, God is never weary of hearing the prayers of the upright, but soon weary of the costly sacrifices of the wicked. He hides his eyes from their prayers, as that which he has an aversion to and is angry at. Matthew Henry goes on to say this, all this to show, number one, that sin is very hateful to God, so hateful that it makes even men's prayers and their religious services hateful to him. Okay, so let's make, let's make a few comments about some things from Isaiah 1. The, we, we can observe that these people are unrepentant. We can observe, again, from the overall context that they are disobedient. It's in this context that the Lord calls them rulers of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, that's a very sharp rebuke. They weren't literally the rulers that had long been destroyed. But here, here the Lord calls them rulers of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were unrepentant. They were disobedient. They were unbelieving. They were hard-hearted with their hearts devoted to their sin. They were unteachable. We gather that also from the overall context. They weren't listening to God. They weren't hearing Him. They were unteachable. They were unteachable before the prophets that God had sent. Here is Isaiah, for example. They're unteachable. They're unbelieving before the whole gospel drama that is portrayed before them in the Levitical services. Is it possible to pray in such a way that God will not hear it? Yes. And more than that, it's possible to pray in such a way as to be actually calling down God's wrath instead of calling down God's blessing. So this ought to get our attention. And this is but one, one example in the scriptures here from Isaiah 1. So before we open our mouths in prayer to God, we need to first open our ears to God. Before we open our mouths in prayer, we need to open our ears because we need to listen to what God says in His Holy Scriptures. If He says anything to us about how and what to pray, we ought to listen to that. How and how, and how we ought to worship, we ought to listen to what God says. We need to make sure that we're doing this work of understanding what God has instituted what God has commanded as acceptable prayer. We need to hear Him and what He has spoken. 
The Puritan Thomas Brooks says this. He says, He is either a fool or a madman, either very weak or very wicked, that prays and prays but never looks after his prayers, that shoots many an arrow toward heaven but never minds where his arrows alight. Thomas Brooks says he's either a fool or a madman. He's very weak or he's very wicked. He prays and prays and prays, but he never pays attention to his prayers. Mr. Brooks goes on to say, he, now, he goes on to quote from Psalm 85.8, where David says, I will hear what, the, what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. Mr. Brooks says, if David would have God to hearken to his prayers, he must then hearken to what God will speak. David would have God to hearken to his prayers. He must then hearken to what God will speak. So that's my point to you. Before we open our mouths in prayer, we need to make sure our ears are opened to what God has said about what is acceptable prayer. Very weak, says Thomas Brooks, or very wicked is the person who prays, but is not doing the work of minding and managing his prayers according to the word of God. Very weak or very wicked. It's the weak man or it's the very wicked man who will say, I will pray to God, but I will not heed his word. And I think that's a good summary of what we see in Isaiah chapter 1. We will worship, but we will not heed his word. We will pray. We will sacrifice, but we will not listen to him. We will not turn from our sin. We will not hear what his prophets say to us. This is, of course, the example of Isaiah 1, very wicked, very wicked on their part. I will pray, but I will not heed his word. I will, I suppose somebody could say at this point, well, if we're saying the same words in the Lord's, that the Lord teaches in the Lord's prayer, doesn't that mean that we're doing all we need to do? If we're saying the word, the very words that Jesus teaches us, isn't that enough? Just, isn't just repeating the words and enough? But no, that's not going to be enough. I think the, uh, another lesson that we can gather from Isaiah 1 is, is that it should alert us to the very possibility that we can go through the motions and that we can say the words that our Lord instituted in the Lord's Prayer and it, again, not actually be what our Lord instituted. Remember, remember what Matthew Henry said. He said, not that God disowns his institutions or refuses to stand by his own warrants, but in what they did, they had not an eye to him that required it. Do you suppose it's possible to just go through the words of the Lord's Prayer and not have an eye to him who teaches us those words? Yes. Isaiah 1 is an example that this can be done. They were using the words. They were, in Isaiah 1, they're performing the actions, but their, their unteachable and forgetful hearts were far, far away. Motions of worship, but with hearts that were not listening to God's word. All right, shooting prayers, prayer after prayer like, an arrow, like arrows, 
like a whole flock of arrows, a whole swarm of arrows flying up to heaven, but not paying attention to what they're praying or how they're praying, not minding their prayers, not minding them, their prayers, not minding their hearts according to the word of God. And and thus God says, all these actions and these prayers, they are disgusting to him. So let's think a little bit about this mentality that we see from these people in in Isaiah chapter 1. Let's think about the mentality of, of thinking and acting like they could come before God and that they could bring offerings of rams and cattle and offerings of prayers, not according to his word, which speaks to the heart of the worshiper, and still think that God would accept those offerings and hearken to their prayers. What's going on in that mindset? What's going on in that attitude? Here's an overall evaluation, I think. They were... Again, they were very wicked because they prayed and prayed, but they were not minding their prayers, shooting their prayers toward heaven and not minding the manner and the direction of their flight. What's, let's think about the mentality. What is it about what is it that they were not heeding from God's word? We can say they weren't hearkening to what God says, right? Drawing that example from uh, David, if David would have God hearken to his prayers, he would first open his ears to what God said. So the people in Isaiah 1, how are they not hearkening to what God says? That they would think that they could come before God in this way and think that God would accept it. Well, let me, let me propose this first of all to you. What is it about the nature of, and being of God that they are disregarding? And uh, I'll open it up for any suggestions. What is it? I'm not asking first, what are they not heeding about what God says about prayer? I'm asking, what are they not heeding about what God says about himself? And because of their disregard of that, God will not hear their prayers. Any suggestions? Yes, sir, Rocky. Oh, yes, isn't that true? How are, how are they conceiving of God in their minds? Yeah, common, ordinary. Yeah, I'm waiting, I'm, I'm waiting with great anticipation for us to get to Leviticus 10 for that lesson. The nature of God... His, his nature and being. Again, Matthew Henry says, not that God disowns his institutions or refuses to stand by his own warrants, but in what they did, they had not an eye to him that requires it. They had, an, they had not an eye to his holiness. Yeah, we'll come before God this way. We're not going to get rid of our sins. Nope. We're going to hold on to them. All of our, all of our idolatries, all of our transgressions, we have no intention of giving any of those things up, but we'll still, we'll still come before God and He'll hear us. They're thinking, they're, they have this conception in their mind that does not involve God being holy. They had not an eye to Him who required those institutions or who had made those institutions. 
Okay, so let me give an example here of going back a little earlier in the catechism. A couple of questions and their answers that will help us to appreciate the question, what is prayer? Let me take you back to question 50, which is the first commandment. Question 50, which is the first commandment? Answer, the first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Question 51, what is required in the first commandment? Answer, the first commandment requireth us to know and acknowledge God to be the only true God and our God, but that's not all the answer, and to worship and glorify Him accordingly, to worship, to worship and to glorify Him as the only true God. Now, if we're going to worship and glorify God accordingly, do you suppose that we should acknowledge Him according to how He has revealed Himself? So, I could go back even earlier in the Catechism. Question 7, what is God? Answer, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, and in His wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. The nature of God. It's not that God is disowning His institutions in Isaiah chapter 1. It's that they did not have an eye to Him who had made those institutions. They had not an eye to Him coming before Him as if He were common, ordinary, not holy, not, not, not the God set apart. So if we're going to bring our worship to God acceptably, if we're going to pray to God acceptably, we must bring our worship and our prayers with hearts that acknowledge who He is, with hearts that have an eye to who He is. We, we see that being completely disregarded in Isaiah chapter 1. Who is our God? Our God is holy. Would we then suppose that we can bring all of our unholy baggage, completely unrepented of, with no grief over it, with no sorrow over it, that we're going to bring that with us, and we're going to lay all that down before Him, and that He's going to be pleased with that? That's what they were thinking. Thus God says, this is disgusting to me. Why would God say something like that? Because He's holy. Because He's good. Because He's just. Because He's truth. He's unchangeable in His truth. So that helps us to appreciate question 105. What is prayer? It must be, got, it must be brought in a way where uh, we have an eye to Him that we're praying to. That passage from Exodus, or that answer from question 7, it's drawn from Exodus 34. Verses 6 and 7, and the Lord passed, this is referring to Moses, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. 
when we bring our offering of worship and our offering of prayer, do we have an eye to who we are bringing our offering to? He who by no means clears the guilty. Or would we dare bring an offering of worship or an offering of prayer where we completely dismiss his holiness? So the people in Isaiah 1 are approaching God in their worship services and their prayers as if God isn't holy, as if he isn't just, as if he isn't good. So it ought to be of no surprise to us that God says to them that this is disgusting. This is not at all what he commanded. They were not hearkening to what God says about himself. Right? If we would have God hearken to our prayers, we must first open our ears and hearken to what God says about himself. But we could also say they were not hearkening to what God says said about them. We ought to hearken to what God says about us. Matthew Henry said, They pray, but God will not hear because they regard iniquity. He will not deliver them, for though they make many prayers, none of them come from an upright heart. They were not giving heed to what God was saying about them. Their nature in being was being what God had said about that. That was also being disregarded. Okay, so let's come to this point then. I'd mentioned earlier about uh, Matthew Henry mentioning regarding iniquity, not praying with an upright heart. Let's think about that in particular. Uh, And if you want to turn to Psalm 66, we'll spend a little bit of time there. Psalm 66. Psalm 66 and verse 13. The psalmist says, I will go into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows, which my lips have uttered. And my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer you burnt sacrifices of fat animals with the sweet aroma of rams. I will offer bulls with goats. Selah, we pause and we contemplate. Here is this. The psalmist, he's going to bring his offering of worship. Of course, here, according to, in this context, according to the Old Covenant regulations, Verse 16, come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried to him, oh, now he's referencing prayer. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. So here the psalmist is exhorting us to bring our sacrifices. We listen to that in a new covenant context, of course. He's exhorting us to bring our prayers, to bring our worship to bring our praise, to bring our own supplications and petitions. However, the psalmist is not calling us to rush headlong, unprepared into the prayer meeting or unprepared into the worship service, because notice at verse 18. He's calling us right prior to this. Come and worship. Come and offer your prayers. But verse 18, he says, If I regard iniquity in my heart... The Lord will not hear. Now, this sounds like a warning, and it sounds like a warning because it is a warning. (laughs) Come, he says, worship, come and pray. However, however, before you do that, there's something very important that you need to understand. If you regard iniquity in your heart, 
the Lord is going to say that your offering is disgusting. It's a warning. But we must be very careful, obviously. We must be very careful. Because if we ignore the warning, we risk offering unacceptable worship and prayers. But also, if we misunderstand this warning, we could be wrongly discouraged from praying. So let's put our attention again on verse 18. Let's think very carefully about it because it's going to protect us from two ditches. The warning, will, properly interpreted, will protect us from praying unacceptably or the other ditch, unacceptably not praying. And that's the other ditch that we need to be care of, careful of. Praying unacceptably or unacceptably not praying. Okay, let's think about it. Here's the word. Obviously, it's in English. It's the word regard. It comes from a Hebrew verb that means simply, it, it can mean simply to see something, to look at something, to observe something. So let's ask the question. Is the psalmist saying that if he simply sees any sin in his heart, then the Lord will not accept his prayers? I mean, look what he says. If I see iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Is that what the psalmist is saying? If he sees any sin in his heart, the Lord is not going to accept. Notice, he does mention sacrifices and prayer. Those are the same two things mentioned in Isaiah 1. So then, is the problem in Isaiah chapter 1 simply a problem that God sees sin in their hearts? Is that the problem of Isaiah 1? God sees sin in their heart. That's why he's not going to accept their worship or their prayer. Is that what the psalmist is saying? Have you ever done this to yourself where you delay going to the Lord to pray because you think you're too sinful to pray to him? Have you ever done that to yourself? For example, you commit some sin and either it's only secretly it's still just in the heart or it's also outwardly in the action, but you delay in asking for forgiveness thinking that you're not going to get any of His mercy because your sin is too bad or your sin is too frequent. And you're not going to get any mercy until maybe you work up enough feelings of sorrow and you haven't done that yet so you dare not go to Him. Or He's not going to hear you because you haven't worked up enough feelings of hatred for the sin or enough feelings of self-loathing because... You're thinking to yourself, God doesn't want me praying to him until I get this sin out of my heart. Let me do that first, and then I'll... Have you ever, have you ever done that to yourself? Is that what the psalmist is saying that you ought to be doing? Because after all, he says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Is Psalm 66, 18 warning not to dare any not to dare to bring any worship or prayer in, in your, into your heart is spotless and until it's cleared of all corruption. Well, we obviously we need to think about what he's saying. It's a verb that can mean simply seeing or observing something, but in certain contexts, the word is used to describe seeing something or observing something in a certain way. Now let me give you an example. This is from Psalm 138, verse 6. Psalm 138, verse 6. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. 
Notice the contrast that the psalmist is not that the contrast that the psalmist is making. The the psalmist is not simply saying that the Lord can see those who are humble. Of course he can see. God sees everything. Of course he can see who's humble. Of course he can see who, who the proud are. It's about how the Lord sees them. You get that? So the Lord is on high, yet he sees, he observes, he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. We have this contrast, we have this context which tells us how the Lord is seeing the lowly, those who are humble before him. So in this context, 138.6, it means to look upon something with favor, right? As opposed to seeing it from afar, God is looking with favor upon the lowly. God is looking with pleasure upon the lowly. He's looking with acceptance upon the lowly. While looking upon the proud, he's looking upon them with, without his acceptance. He looks at them from afar. Okay, so back to Psalm 66, verse 18. The psalmist says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, he's using the word in this way. It does not mean if I can see any sin in my heart, then the Lord won't hear my prayers. No, what he's saying is, if I'm treasuring my sin, if I'm looking upon my sin with love, and if I'm looking upon my sin with acceptance, if that's where the devotion of my heart is, then the Lord will not hear my prayer. That's what the psalmist is saying. Here's what the psalmist is saying, I think. If I come before the Lord with no intention at all of not continuing to indulge my sin, then my coming before the Lord is a wicked coming before the Lord. Now that, I think, is a diagnosis of what's going on in Isaiah chapter 1. The problem is not that God saw sin in their heart. The the problem is that God saw they were devoted to their sins. They they, They had no intention of changing that devotion. They were doing what the psalmist in Psalm 66, verse 18, says for us not to do. They were regarding the sin in their heart. They were looking at it with acceptance. They were looking at it with love. They were looking at it with no intention at all of turning away from it. That's why God says that their prayers were disgusting and completely unacceptable to him. Thus, the psalmist here is saying the same thing. If I regard, if I look upon this iniquity in my heart with love, if I look at it with acceptance... That's, that's when the Lord will not hear. That's the warning that is coming. So that informs us in our praying, isn't it? Does, doesn't it? Puts our attention upon our in, all, all of our endeavoring for repentance. To come before the Lord in worship and prayer without repentance. But the other ditch, on the, other, the other mistake is waiting to pray until you think you've earned the right for God to hear you. That is, not ex- that is, unacceptably not praying. Here's what the psalmist goes on to say in Psalm 66, he, in beginning of verse um, 19. He says, But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. So what did the psalmist pray for that God found to be an acceptable prayer when the psalmist came before him and he asked for his mercy. 
The problem is not in Isaiah 1 that God sees sin in their hearts, but he sees that they are unrepentant, unbelieving, unteachable, recalcitrant rebels who are celebrating their rebellion. They want to sacrifice, they want to pray, but without any praise of God. They think they can pray to him without any love for him because all their love is on their sin. And they think that God will accept that. And God makes it clear that he will not. They were regarding the sin in their heart, looking at it with acceptance. 